This is Acts of Faith. Every day, World Team works to transform communities, make disciples, and reach the unreached. Our unique teams innovate, multiply, and expand the reach of the gospel. Our vision and aim? To make Jesus known. Together, we share the hope of the gospel on a global scale by meeting the needs of communities. These are our acts of faith. Barry and Desma have been serving together in Cameroon for nearly two decades. They work among the Baca and are seeing the gospel impact their community in exciting ways. They shared with us about their ministry, its challenges, and how God is reaching individuals where they serve. What does your ministry look like today? We live in a very remote village in Cameroon, um, in the heart of the rainforest, and we live among a people that are traditionally hunters and gatherers. Um, so they live in leaf huts or mud and stick houses. Um, so that's, these are our neighbors that we live around. We have logging trucks that pass us and leave dust um, uh, on our driveway and in our houses many times um, in the dry season. But we live right in the center of the people that we minister to. So we're in a unique position to live life with the people with whom we're doing ministry. Um, and we really like that. We enjoy being able day to day to just go out and visit our neighbors and be a part of the community. The Baca don't yet have um, a Bible in their language and they don't read or write for the most part. So ministry for us is, is very oral based and a lot of bringing the scripture to them. So we have prayer meetings a couple times a week where we're um, bringing forth like a devotional and times together. We have Bible studies with men and women on Monday and Friday evenings down in the village in front of their homes on little like wood stumps and stuff. And that way other people passing through or visiting in the home get exposed to God's word, um, as well as a Sunday service where on, on that day we try to just be participants because what we're doing throughout the week is to um, engage the believers with God's word, equip them and help them to to lead and evangelize. And we've got one guy that we've been um, working with for all you know the last 10 years that we've been in the village we're in now who's now going to another village with his wife and he started a small group of believers there that would um, apart from us and that's our goal to see more and more people equipped and able to do that. What are the challenges that Baca believers face in their community? I think the Baca are faced with a, a whole lifetime of their own traditional beliefs that weigh on them heavily so, for instance, um, whenever there's a, a funeral in our area, one of our uh, village members dies, there's a strong sense of uh, necessity to, to fulfill the, the traditions of, of the Baca society, which kind of works against what we're trying to teach um, in the gospel message. Um, they feel like they need to appease the spirit so that the, that the, the spirit of the dead doesn't remain and cause problems mm -hmm. for the rest of the community. Mm -hmm. uh, along with that, and uh, in many other areas of the Baca life, the alcohol comes into play during those times when they're looking for 
sort of relief. Um, some of them have told us it gives them courage if they can drink lots of alcohol so that they can stay up all night mm -hmm. and, and just mm -hmm. dance and sing and drum um, through the night. But it's a very counter, uh, I guess it works against them because uh, then they turn against each other. You mm -hmm. know, they get angry with each other. So the very thing they're trying to do to appease the spirits is causing disorder in their own society. So the gospel message we're presenting to them is to to tell them, you know, you can you can trust in God, you know, mm -hmm. and, and to let them know that when a person passes away, you know, that if that person has trusted in the message that Jesus has shared with us, the message that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and, and um, if they trust in Him, they can have new life in Him. They don't have to go through this whole process of appeasing the spirits. It's a long road, and it's very hard to break those traditions. So this is a, a great challenge for us. The Baca don't have a Bible in their language. How do you navigate that and present the Bible to them? Our um, colleagues with Wycliffe, who were in the village um, that we're in now of Djibout before we came there, um, came initially to do a New Testament translation and found that because people weren't reading and there was an established church, God really led them to start with these oral, key oral Bible stories. So we do oral Bible storying, which is beginning in Genesis, and people learn the stories, and we discuss the stories, and they retell the stories. And we just, we've been going through that for the last four or five years and just completed Revelation with the group we're with now and just have really seen them grow in the understanding of their sin, how that affects our relationship with God, that it is against God and not the community mm -hmm. as they first understood it, and that Jesus is the only way to be reconciled to God, our Creator. We don't have a Bible translation, but as she was saying, our Wycliffe colleagues have developed a, we call it a mini oral Bible. They've developed 37 key Bible stories throughout the Old and New Testament, and they have recorded those with a Baca speaker. So we have that on audio players that we can distribute. And during our oral Bible story workshops, we, we give each group an oral player so that they can listen to the stories mm -hmm. and get to know the stories. Yeah. So we do have that resource, um, and that's been a real blessing mm -hmm. to us and has been sort of the mm -hmm. key component that we use in mm -hmm. our training. We also have the Bible in French on these oral players, so the, the Baca who understand French well are helping us, and we're proficient in Baca, so we're bringing verses to go along with this and tying it in with the rest of Scripture when we learn that God made light in the creation story, we take them to John, where we see that Jesus is the light that God sent into the world. And making those ties where we don't yet have all the scripture passages for that. And then God has provided that at this time we have some new teammates who are trained um, to work on the Bible translation and do a New Testament translation. And so, and literacy workers, so that we can be working towards people who will be able to read and continue to have this, this word after we're gone. Tell us about the Baca Fitness Center and how that relates to your ministry. Many years ago, I got connected with a, with a CrossFit gym in Knoxville, Tennessee, and the owners were believers there. And it was just a personal interest of mine 
um, I was just, I saw these people doing it and it was something I thought I might be interested in. So I got connected with them. Um, and going back to Cameroon, I, I just started asking you people. You started doing it in our driveway. In our driveway, And people yes. showed up. Yeah. So we had, you know, we had tires in the driveway and little cement milk. Uh, milk powder containers that we made mm -hmm. weights out of and mm -hmm. we'd just have a workout it was a lot of adults at that time that just kind of packed onto our small if you saw our driveway you would laugh because <laughs> it's a we could have like 20 people just packed mm -hmm. in our driveway doing this workout or or running around the perimeter of mm -hmm. our house or yeah. running up and down the hill to our house and and then at the end of that time we'd say you know let's have a word of prayer or I'd like to share a bit of God's word with you. So it started in that way. And then as I got connected with this gym in Tennessee, um, they were encouraging me to, you know, build a facility and they would help with that. And we also got a lot of people involved in a project to help build a gym. So now we have a very large um, open air um, fitness facility there. I mean, it's nothing like a gym you would find here in the States, but it's Many of my interns have come and helped improve different aspects of the gym. So we have things like pull-up bars, we have homemade weights, we have uh, uh, a salmon ladder, we have uh, all Peg different board. little yeah pegboards that you wall can climb, finger boards, wall balls, all just different things that we unload. And we'll have a class every afternoon. And we invite people to come from the, around our community and others will pass down the road. It's very visible to the main road that goes in front of our village. So we have curious onlookers that'll come. And we always do about an hour of workout. And then at the end, we all sit together, gather together, and we'll either do Bible memory with some of the people there, um, have a short devotion and a prayer time. And uh, we probably have as many people observing these workout sessions as we do actually taking place but we can have as many as 20 in a workout session or sometimes four mm -hmm. you know but we do it consistently mm -hmm. so that people will have the opportunity and it does mm -hmm. draw people to hear God's mm -hmm. word that wouldn't normally darken mm -hmm. the doors of a church. Yeah, like Barry mentioned, mm -hmm. I mean, it really grew out of people just wanted to come and work out with him. And mm -hmm. we had so many young people that were coming to youth group, but then really getting pulled into alcohol and drugs that are being made available on the road and, and just an opportunity to build that connection with them and build into them that God's created them for more, and he has a lot of good things in store for them, and it's given mm -hmm. him that outlet to, to make connections with them. And it's just a positive thing mm -hmm. for our community. There's so many, there's so much boredom. Mm -hmm. um, there, you, people work in their fields, and they come back, and they make their fire for the night, and it's just not a lot for, you know, we have so many activities in, in the Western world for our kids to do. We're running back and forth this soccer games or football games and there's just not that that we do have uh soccer uh, mm -hmm. there but it's not organized and it's haphazard so if that's not happening what's left to do go to the bar and hang out with with your friends and and the problems start there you know and early in life we're seeing people you know as young as 14 even younger than that eight years old that these drugs are being uh, peddled in our community and so they're starting at a young age and alcohol doesn't have the stigma that 
it has had for young people over there. It's not uncommon for a parent to give some whiskey or, or, or a beer or something to a small, small child or to see a toddler walking around with a whiskey sachet hanging out of their mouth. So really, the society is just, so many things are built into it that just calls the collapse of, of, of the, the society itself. So I really wanted to bring something positive into the community, even if it was just something to do. And it's turned into so much more than that because it's been an opportunity to share the gospel. That was our hope, but I, I never really saw and now the people that are normally come to it they know the pattern they know that after it's over we're all going to stop we all clean up the gym together and we sit together and have this time um, focused on the lord five ten minutes but it's it's huge what stories can you share about how god has impacted lives among the baka we had lived in another village before so when we moved to jibut we had the language and we were ready to jump in and one of the young ladies that was always coming to meetings and leading our songs and so exuberant, her young husband was involved too, was Akade, and uh, she has just continued to grow and she's now helping to lead our women's studies, continues to help us create new songs, but she still has a really tough life. Her husband has decided to be in and out of the marriage and is often abusive and She's gone through two bouts of tuberculosis treatment, and she's a mom of seven, and yet she just smiles and says, you know, and you guys know the troubles I've been through, testifies at our group meetings, that, but I can't tell you the difference that I have now knowing that I have hope and peace with Jesus. And um, she's expressed to me, like, how we've persevered with them through their troubles, and how they're so thankful to have God's word and understand it. And she's one of our best storytellers. So when we do these workshops and she comes and um, has learned, she's done all of them, Genesis through Revelation, the 37 stories, and is one of the first to volunteer when we're going on an outreach. I'll, I'll tell the story. I'll tell the story of Adam and Eve. And she just um, brushes up and tells it or can just tell it at the drop of a hat. And so to see her faithfulness, despite a lot of issues and struggles and the way she can testify to the other women around that um, would question God's goodness sometimes in her life, that he has been very good to her, has been powerful to me. There's a man in our village who um, has lived a hard life. Um, he, he's had many wives. He's had a lot of <clears throat> um, alcohol abuse in his life. And he's just uh, he's just avoided um, even attempts in the past of people trying to bring him to church or lead him to the knowledge of Jesus, um, and just rejected that. You know, tried to hide from anyone that tried to do that. <clears throat> but he did when we first came and started uh, doing oral Bible storying and and teaching in the village. He would be there and he would be listening and repeating back some of the things that he was hearing. So he started to become a, an attender at the church, but he was still kind of back and forth. He was in a turbulent relationship with his wife, who is his current wife. Um, they would have fights. They would have difficult times. He would drink more alcohol. Um, 
But still, I was developing a friendship with him. Um, his name is Konji. Um, and Konji, one day when we returned to the village after a, an extended time away, we, we heard from the villagers that he was very sick. So we went down to his house to see how he was doing, and um, he was suffering from a strangulated hernia, which had caused him to not be able to eat or or you know, do anything for several days. And so he was really dying. Um, so we took him to the hospital, set him up to have the surgery he needed for this hernia. And we left him with a, a copy of the oral Bible. And we would come back and check on him from time to time. They're about 45 minutes away from where we live driving. So we left him with that. And he was just soaking up God's word during this whole time. So when he came back from the hospital, he he continued to live in our guest house and so that he could recover in the condition that he doesn't work, we take care of him, and that he doesn't drink alcohol or smoke, you know, that he lets his body heal well. One day he comes to my house and he's obviously been drinking a lot of alcohol. And so uh, we were talking together and I, I realized that he had been drinking and I just sort of yelled at him, you know, for just sort of discounting all the good things that had been done in his life. And I even told him he could no longer live in my house, that that I had done all this for him. And if he wanted to throw his life away, that he was welcome to leave, he and his family. Um, they didn't leave. And God's grace, God calmed me down a bit and, and also worked on Konji's heart. He came back a few days later to our weekly prayer meeting, our bi-weekly prayer meeting, and he stood in front of everyone. And I think it's the first time that we've heard a Baca person say that, not give excuses for the sin that they've committed in their life, but instead said that I have committed this sin, not against Barry. said, I found out that I had sinned when Barry barked at me. Um, but... <laughs> But I know now that my sin is against the Lord and only Him. And he gave a gospel presentation at that time, confessing his sins in the front of our community of believers there, and also giving a clear uh, understanding of what Jesus had done in his life. And since that point in his life, he hasn't lived a perfect life, but he has made progressive gains in his walk with the Lord. And he's become the strongest spiritual leader in our community as far as the men are concerned. And um, he, he never hesitates to take an opportunity to share his faith with mm -hmm. others and the miracle that God mm -hmm. has done in his life. Ankonji and his wife started going down <laughs> to another village. And we've taken groups on outreach, <clears throat> but obviously we, we want people to be going and doing that apart from us and just a more grassroots coming and sharing the gospel and gathering people around that and developing other groups of believers. Because the Baca are a big people group, like 35 to 50,000, they're not sure. But they're in small camps of 100 to 200, sometimes 300 would be a bigger camp, all up and down two main roads. And then some people even still live in forest camps in the village. So we are in one of those camps. And so to be raising, you know, our goal is to raise up people who are able to continue the spread rather than us sending missionaries to each of these Baca villages. 
And so to have Konji going and being like a pastor, they've asked him to consider moving there and just being their pastor. And we think down the road that is exactly what we'd love to see. Couples from where we're working, people that we're building into, go to these different villages and start a field and live and work and share the gospel. And they're being equipped with that. And Konji's such an encouragement to us because he's a man in his 50s. He's never learned to read and write, um, even in French, which they do in the local schools there. But it's not an impediment at all. He knows God's word more than, than the couple of men that can read their French Bibles in our village. And it's just so a part of him. And then reproducing that and telling that, like I was saying with and there are so many times when we think, is this making sense? Are they getting it? And then he brings it in it, brings an example to it and puts it with a Baca example and just encourages us that that how powerfully God's word is speaking to them and really speaking out about, you know, I have I should be in jail because of the way I've treated my wife. And you all know that because there's no secrets in the village. <laughs> And so we've all been around through all of this. We've walked alongside him and his wife through some of these challenges. And those would be really discouraging points for us. Like, oh, no, if it's even happening to Konji, you know, and kind of uh, that feeling of despair when it was those moments that God's gospel that they'd been taking in and their everyday life were really starting to uh, be transformed by what they were hearing in the gospel and applying that to their life. And it's really been in the last couple years that we're seeing people in our studies grow more and being able to make an application rather than just retelling the story, but really applying it to their lives and what that means. And it's been really encouraging. And our women's group, we were seeing a lot of people um, not engaging with the gospel and struggling. And so I would just start asking them, well, whose house should we meet at next week and they would take charge of going to that woman can can we meet in front of your house and they would feel a real pride even if it was just setting some logs out that we sit in front of their house a real pride in hey they're coming to meet at my house tonight and um, we've had a lot of tragedies in the village a lot of deaths that we feel like shouldn't have happened but I know in this last couple years one of those women's houses that they said, let's start meeting at her house. She so clearly heard the gospel. She wasn't coming to our church meetings. She clearly heard the gospel before a tragic death came to her because she was drunk and fell down in the road and was run over. But for us to know that we had been reaching out to her and she had an opportunity and we just want to keep in seeing people reach out to their neighbors and when we ask them what has changed most since since coming to know the Lord and the gospel, they say, well, where we see that the most is in the way we are learning to care for one another and love one another. And that's what Jesus told us. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And the Baca are beginning to see that and experiencing that. But these are first-generation Christians. So um, there's a lot of traditions that have to be challenged like how you treat your your husband, how you treat your wife, how you raise up your children. And by living amongst them and going through these different struggles, we're, we're having an opportunity to um, challenge them and how what God's Word would speak to them in these different situations. How can people pray for your ministry and for the Baca people? Well, we mentioned the substance abuse um, that's prevalent among the Baca. So... 
uh, one of our main prayers and the subject of a, of a training we're scheduled to go through now is just how to meet this need and how to lead the BACA into addiction recovery. So we're really praying that we could have, you know, in this next, uh, as we return to the field, mm -hmm. that we could have four people that would just be free from alcohol and drug addiction and that would be equipped and ready to go out and share their faith with other people. So they can, people can pray for us as we do this training and as we implement the training um, that's already been established by another organization, mm -hmm. but we really feel like it's a, it's a clear uh, target for us in this mm -hmm. next term. And we really desire the prayers of people to mm -hmm. back us in this effort mm -hmm. so that we can see major changes in the, this area of Vaca life. Is there a word you've come across in translation that you haven't been able to find an equivalent for in the Baca language? How do you manage to find a way to explain that word to them? Well, there's grace. Yeah. Grace is hard. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy for us, but we even mm -hmm. use complicated words to say, you know, mm -hmm. unmerited favor, you know, and mm -hmm. then we have to break it down and define it. But for them, mm -hmm. We have to almost use phrases and sentences to create mm -hmm. a, a picture for them of what grace mm -hmm. means. So, yeah, that's, that is, we have to do a lot more talking <laughs> around mm -hmm. one word like grace to, to help people understand what it means. But then in another way, what's after we kind of struggle with that and wonder, it always comes back to, you know, um, baka, most things that are a positive thing are joko, goodness, mm -hmm. and it is really summed up in the goodness of God um, to those of us who have sinned against Him. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I think we're always really touched by the simplicity of the gospel and that um, it can be conveyed with really basic words. Mm -hmm. What's that one song? There was a song the lady wrote about you know, like looking at him. We, we, we struggled mm -hmm. with hope. How would we mm -hmm. just describe hope? And when people talked about the Baca before we went there and when we first got there, it was like, you know, the very um, despairing and fatalistic. And we saw that. We felt that. Um, there wasn't, you know, if someone's sick, the likelihood it was that they'll die. There's not, there's just not hope in any of these situations. Hope for something better, different brighter coming up mm. and so they start to talk about the goodness that you will see ahead you know for hope or the things we are waiting the good that we are waiting for mm -hmm. and the idea that this is something like promised from God that we can trust will come and so just looking ahead for the goodness that that will come to us is, and then we have a song uh-huh uh, we talk so. about hope oh, mm -hmm. and on those hard days you hear them getting their water at the well or calming down a baby and they're singing those mm -hmm. songs throughout the village that talk of God's goodness to them. Our young kids are singing them because mm -hmm. they've heard mm -hmm. that in church so mm -hmm. often. And had... then sometimes someone will show up like Konji and like, I was praying with my family last night and we want to see more and more of this. Praying with my family last night and talking and God gave me this song. And it says, God has sent us Jesus, and Jesus is our helper because he 
let's see, he comes to help us and to free us from our sin, you know, and just that that would be more and more like their testimony and putting that in song and sharing that with others. Sometimes we wake up early in the morning, it's not even light yet, and Baca, they have a phrase, the voice of the village, or the mouth of the village, and we'll kind of nudge each other, wait, do you hear someone like walking through the village as if they have a megaphone and saying, don't forget God, God loves you, and it's Konji, and when we first moved there, he would do that kind of in a stirring people up, motivating them to it's work. It's time to work, for the, yeah. Yeah, and now it's all about... Um, <laughs> Like John the Baptist, you know, this in the wilderness, turn and repent. God has a good plan for you. To learn more about World Team's ministry opportunities, go to us.worldteam.org and click Go at the top of the page. To see prayer requests from World Team workers, click Pray. To give to World Team's ministries, click Donate. This has been Acts of Faith, a podcast by World Team. U.S. For more information on World Team and its ministries, visit us.worldteam.org.